Well, the grass withers and the flower will certainly fade. The word of our God stands forever. Welcome once again to this glorious morning. It has already been very good as we anticipate hearing from the word of God. But first, one of the exciting things that we do almost every time someone decides to get baptized, when they come out of the baptism waters, we sing a song. And almost every time we sing a song that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. And it is one of my most cherished memories as I recall various baptisms. And depending on your background or your theology, when you hear that song, a song that's titled, I have decided to follow Jesus, you might get a little bit warm in the face or twitchy in the eye. And I will agree, it is important what songs we sing. It is important what songs we sing in the church. Before our time is up, I hope to talk a little bit about the history of that song. I have decided to follow Jesus. But first, there is a theological consideration. We can get started right away. If you'll turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Romans chapter 3. I want you to see that this is not coming from me. It's coming from God found in the Scripture. Romans chapter 3. And you can start, we can start at verse 10. The Bible is quite clear when it says that none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together, they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. If we were to look at the Ten Commandments, the standard that God has put forth in order to judge any righteousness, we would quickly realize that we have often fallen short. We have often not attained to that standard. We have not reached it. And even more than falling short, we have all been born into what we call sin. We have a sin nature that refuses To come to God. Our sinful nature refuses to come to God. Parents, if you have ever dealt with a two or three year old or grandparents, there is a stage there for some that just refuses to come. I won't name names, but we are going through a time where, would you come here? No. This is a picture of what we say to God. We say to God, because of our sin that is separated from God, we say no. When the, when the toddler refuses to come in order for something to happen, 
In order for something to happen there, the parent must intervene. Okay, so when they say no, we must go to them. And we must tell them what they are doing wrong. We must show them and tell them what obedience looks like, what obedience is. And we need to tell them that there are consequences for not obeying. We have to intervene. I'm hoping that we're doing that. And in order for us to know God, in order for us to know and understand our sin and the seriousness of it, in order for us to decide to follow Jesus, God must intervene. God must intervene. Our sin leads to death. The wages of our sin is death. God must intervene. Not only a physical death one day, but a spiritual death is what we have. We remain in a state of spiritual death until God intervenes. Until God gives us life. Ephesians says you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air. The Bible says we have all once lived like this, in the passions of our flesh, children of wrath with the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. He intervened to show us our need of Jesus. He enabled us to know Him and worship Him. Praise the Lord. This is all of grace. This is all unmerited favor from God for the Christian. This is a gift from God. If you have received it, you didn't earn it. You cannot earn a gift. You didn't make the decision to follow Jesus on your own. You didn't do a number of good things to win God's favor. In your spiritual death state, God was merciful and gracious and brought you to life by causing you to believe in His salvation, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who lived a life without sin and perfect obedience. The only one who could pay and did pay the penalty and price in order for us to experience the forgiveness of sin. He is the only mediator between man and God. He is the only atonement. He is the only Savior of the world. For all who believe and call upon His name. Just like you can't make your heart beat right now. And you probably weren't even thinking about it until I just mentioned it. You cannot give yourself life. You cannot Give yourself eternal life. You must be born again. You must be born again. And God must do that by His Spirit. All of that is to say, we can sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. Because of the history of the song, which is somewhat related to Scripture from Luke 9 that says, no one who puts his hand to the plow looks back is fit 
for the kingdom of God. And we'll go over that a little bit more. But for those who are being baptized today, they are saying with their mouths, they are making a profession, they are being obedient to God's command to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And every other true believer that sings that song later today is saying, I am continuing to follow Jesus. And it should be our prayer, it is our prayer, that that faith is genuine and it increases actually until you stand before God and it is proven true or false. Listen up. Baptisms are rooted in God's promise. Not man's self-decision. And God keeps His promises. In the past month, we've been considering the person and work of Jesus Christ. Hopefully we've been praying and deciding to continue to follow Him with a closer understanding of the gospel A closer and deeper understanding of His love. We will not follow Him if we do not love Him. And we will not love Him if we do not know Him. Our text of Scripture is found in Revelation chapter 22. Our main verses will be verses 1 to 5. But I want to start reading and invite you to read with me starting in chapter 21, just one page over in verse 9. Revelation 21, verse 9. This is the word of God. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain. And showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God. Its radiance like the most rare jewel. Like a jasper clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates. And the gates twelve angels. And on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates. On the north three gates. On the south Three gates, and on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and its walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its its width. And he measured the city with the rod, twelve thousand stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold like a clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, and the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, 
For the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. Lord God, you are a great God. And these things of which we have read are far too wonderful for us. But you open up our eyes to see even a little of your glory as we consider your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation 21 and 22 are a description of the new heaven and the new earth. It's also a description of the bride of Jesus Christ. It's also a description, and of course, of the Lamb of God who sits sovereignly on the throne and reigns forever. The author wants us to know that the new earth will be full of a new people living in paradise, in harmony, And it's all because of the work of Jesus Christ. I want us to consider three results of the work of Jesus Christ found in Revelation 22, verses 1 to 5. We might not only wonder what it means to follow Jesus, but where we are following him to. The first result will be abundant life. The second is complete restoration The third result of Jesus' work here from our text is perfect worship. Let's start with abundant life in verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So in chapter 21, we have a description. An angel actually shows John a new heaven and a new earth, of which he, he adds for the readers to understand the first Heaven, the first earth, have passed away. And then came another angel in verse 9, which we started reading, that says, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb, of which later John saw was a radiant city coming down from heaven by God. Not a city, but a bride. The bride adorned in beauty. I can't remember the last time I got a postcard, but the concept of the postcard is pretty interesting. Someone who has enough money to actually go on vacation would go and take a trip, and they would send a card back. I usually had a nice little picture and a nice little note for you to read. 
The section of the Bible acts as a divine postcard of the things that John saw was being described to him. And it is for all believers telling us just how awesome eternal life is. And there are many things to wonder and to debate about, even of this section. But we can leave most of that for another day. What is main and plain is that there is a new earth prepared by God. The new earth, the Bible teaches, is where righteousness dwells. This new earth is different than this earth in quality. And that's mainly because of the obvious absence of sin, which we will get into. It's new in quality. But please think of eternity. Please think of heaven. Please think of the new earth. Not as a, I'm pretty sure it was a 90's cream cheese commercial where one person sat on a cloud. That would be extremely boring. That is not what it is like. The new earth is full of real new people. Recognizable things. It is new. It is restored. But it is real and wonderful. It is not boring. In John's vision, shown to him by the angel, he sees a river of the water of life, which is bright as crystal. This is pure, life-giving water. If you're familiar with the Bible, you'll know that the description of, of a temple also had a river flowing from it in Ezekiel 47. Okay, that's found in the Old Testament. That water, was, that water was flowing from below the threshold of the temple. It eventually got wider and deeper. I'm prepared to say that water is a picture of Jesus Christ in the gospel, which flows out from the temple wider and deeper, bringing abundant life, eternal life for all sinners. To be baptized is to acknowledge your sin and publicly say, God has given me a new heart. He has intervened in my life. He has given me new desires, a new life in Jesus Christ who passed through the waters of judgment on my behalf and was resurrected on the third day. Psalm 46 says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. The river of water, pure and bright, was water of life. It is not now flowing from a temple. It is, it is not a heavenly old man river, but the water brings the new man, which flows from the God-man, Jesus Christ. Look again at verse 1. Flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. This is the exact water that Jesus spoke about to the woman at the well. In John chapter 4. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. That water that I will give will spring up in him. A spring of water welling up. To eternal life. There's a dear servant of this church that's done a lot of work with the sprinklers in the last couple weeks. I won't say exactly who it is, but his name rhymes with John. And you, and you know how dry and barren it's been around here. Like some sections of our grass look more like a sand trap than an actual golf green. Okay? But as soon as 
soon as that sprinkler was reconnected, it was repaired, it was restored, the water flowed. And it was almost overnight that it brought life. We now have some Revelation 22 grass out there. Or before we had some Genesis 3 grass for a while. (laughs) Refreshment and abundant life come as this water flows from the throne of the Lamb and the throne of God. This water comes, as Jesus said, from Him. And it is completely satisfying and life-giving. It is the water of abundant life. The water in Revelation 22 flows from the throne, not a temple. There is no need for a temple building in the new earth. We meet God intimate and fully. We have complete fellowship with him in the new earth, in the person of the Lamb. The temple and the tabernacle were just sort of shadows, small provisions of the greater consummation, the greater, fuller fellowship and goodness and glory of God. Have you had this living water? Or are you trying to draw from a cistern that can no longer hold water? The Lord told Jeremiah, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. Would you come now and receive this living water? The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take of the water of life without price. Verse 2. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, beside any river, we would expect to see things growing. That's exactly what we we see in the scripture. A tree of life yielding its fruit each month. We, as Christians, are called to be like a tree planted by a river. Producing fruit in season. Before the fall of mankind... God walked with man in the Garden of Eden. God made man and placed him in it. He created man to take care of that garden, to keep it. The Bible says, And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Shortly after, man fell into sin. And the world as we know it was then cursed and broken. Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Shortly after this, Adam and Eve were removed from the Garden of Eden, which they previously enjoyed fellowship and nearness to God. In God's mercy, he didn't allow them to eat from the tree of life. That would have left them in their sinful condition with no hope. But rather, he banned them And all guilty humanity from this tree of life, which appears now in Revelation 22, for all the residents, for all the conquerors, to all those appointed to eternal life, it says, to those who decided to follow Jesus, and actually did, this tree provides life and satisfaction. 
Access to this tree is made possible by Jesus Christ who Himself hung on a tree and suffered and died. Becoming sin for us, taking on the wrath of God and fully paying the penalty and punishment for sin. This access is granted because Jesus conquered sin. Jesus conquered death and grants all of his followers to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. The tree of life, middle of verse 2, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. So, so here, new earth, there's no frost, there's no drought, there's no sin, there's no curse that will stop the tree or trees from producing fruit for all eternity in the new earth. I find it interesting, the use of months here, because in eternal, eternal life, time's going to look a little different. But in the eschatological, uh, eschatological tree of Ezekiel, there speaks of, uh, he says there, those trees will bear fruit every month because the water from them flows from the sanctuary. The fruit will be food and leaves for healing. Listen, people from all different nations will find healing when Jesus Christ returns because death will finally be put away. When we read about the leaves of the tree bringing healings for the nations, we should be very comforted and very excited. Very excited. Jesus himself will wipe away every tear. Jesus is the only one that can bring healing. And one day it will be final and full. We experience some of that in part now. One day, final and full. The result of the work and person of Jesus Christ. He is the one who will put, put away anything that we need healing from. He himself is the complete healer. The nations will no longer be at war. They will no longer trample the grace of God. But those who decided to follow Jesus will be made new and will experience peace and tranquility and the therapeutic healing described and prescribed from this tree of life, which is an example as we consider our second result, complete restoration. Verse 3, no longer will anything be accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. When mankind fell into sin, God told Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and you have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. All of us experienced the curse that came as a result of sin. These conditions were just the consequence of the fall, but they are meant to drive us back to God. Ultimately, the conditions of this world, the conditions even in our own hearts, the dust and the thistles, the pain and the sorrow, the hardship and grief are there. For us to see that we need saving. We need a savior. Before the curse was announced by God, the promise of the savior was announced by God. And Jesus Christ. And praise God for the restoration that we see as a result of him. The rejection of God and the biting of a fruit brought sin and death to all. Life. The life and death of Christ 
reversed the curse and brings life and light to all who trust in him. This is the complete restoration of the new earth and the new people. No longer accursed. It can't be. The holy God, the lamb and the throne will be in it and his servants shall worship him. God cannot be in the presence of sin. The only presence that reverses that curse is the full presence of Jesus Christ. Which is why Ezekiel could say so many years ago, and the name of the city from that time on shall be the Lord is there. Earlier in chapter 21, John heard a loud voice from the throne of God saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Life with God means dwelling with him. No more hindrances. No more barriers. Full and complete restored fellowship. We experience that in part as believers by the work of the Spirit. But sin remains. Not everyone will dwell with God. Terrifying words. Terrifying thought. Only those who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. There could be many who have said, I have decided to follow Jesus, but will not dwell with Him. Revelation 21 says, As for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and salt. Pastor Nathan commented yesterday about something he heard. He said, eventually, everyone in Canada will need, will decide what to do with Jesus. Have you decided to follow Jesus? Here it is clear that Christ is the main desire, and Jesus Christ is the main focus. The focus of Genesis is on Eden and Adam's family. The focus in Revelation 22 is a restored paradise in Jesus Christ. And his servants shall worship him as we consider our last result, perfect worship. It would be a good time to consider, even in your own hearts, what you desire, what you think about heaven, what you desire about the new earth, what you think about dwelling with God. Life in heaven. Life in the eternal kingdom. I hear lots about the kingdom these days. There's certainly lots of talk about our corrupt world, corrupt governments, corrupt politicians, terrible people, corrupt societies. You know what I would love to hear more about? Jesus Christ. There will be no memory of these things when before your eyes you see Jesus. He is the one to be worshipped. Deciding to follow Jesus means worshipping him him now. And looking forward to worshipping him completely and fully. These examinations are hard for us. They, They are difficult. They're not easy. But they're for your good. They're for your good. Is Jesus Christ your ultimate and great desire? 
Do you love and worship him? Do you want to love and worship him more? Are you seeking by his grace to show your love and to show your worship for him by living a life of obedience and holiness? How else could we possibly show? Deciding to follow Jesus means all of that. And as you sing the words, maybe for the first time, or the 100th time, you're telling the world that you're committed to him and him alone. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. Perfect worship is possible because of Jesus Christ. It is a result of our great God and the redemption that's found in him. Verse 4, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Are you with me? Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said one of the most beautiful things that you could ever hear. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Those who have their hearts purified, made pure by the blood of Christ. It says here they will see his face. The face of the one who bled and died. Moses could not see the face of God and live. No one can see the face of God and live because he is holy. But once sanctified, once purified, and once glorified, we will see his face. Do you think about longing? Do you think about looking In the face of Jesus Christ. The one who made you. The one who who bought you. And the one who will bring you all the way home. Do you see the great shepherd? Who has cared for you. He's watched over you. He's ordered all things. This great God, Jesus Christ, has delivered you. I pray it's so. This one who stepped down into the sin-cursed world. The one who became a man in his great love. And he himself is the answer of all God's promises. And he himself is the greatest manifestation of God's love. Come and behold him. The one and only. Come and worship the holy God. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. We will be fully known. We will know him. So many things will be revealed as we see the Lamb and as we are like Him. His name, the name of our God, on our foreheads, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. Perfect worship in a perfect paradise where nothing is accursed. He is there. We are resurrected and sinless. And we see here in verse 5, And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. What a postcard that would be. No more night. No more darkness. Complete protection. 
as we dwell with God and we worship him. We reign with him. The darkness is as light to him. The darkness cannot hide his light. For with you, says Psalm 36, is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. No need for sun. No need for lamp. We don't need the heat of the light of the day to bring life. The glory of God. The radiance of his presence is all we need for eternity. Do you know something of the glory of God? Find it in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And they will reign with him forever. All the prophets and the writers of scriptures. They, they saw a glimpse of the glory of God. And they saw a glimpse of the reign of Christ and with his people. Isaiah, Ezekiel, John, even in Daniel 7, which says, And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Night is banished now. From this place of abundant life, complete restoration, everlasting paradise, and God's people will with him reign forever as kings in this new earth. This is a result only of Jesus Christ. This eternal kingdom, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Second Timothy says, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. The new earth is a place where righteousness dwells. It is full and radiant because the Lamb of God is on his throne and provides that abundant life. He is the one who has removed that curse and restored the garden, the original purpose and work for man which was lost in the fall. No scheme of man, no work of Satan could ever prevent the restoration of this paradise where God alone will be worshipped and praised. The invitation remains, come, blessed are those who wash their robes that they might have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. With all this said, would you decide not to follow Jesus? Why would you remain outside with the dogs, with the sorcerers, with the sexual immoral, with the murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood? Why would you remain outside, repent, and believe in Jesus? Call upon him and find everlasting life in Jesus Christ as a free gift of his grace. And soon, seven people, Justice and Eunice, Caleb, Sarah, Jodine and Franz and Katharina, will publicly say, I have decided to follow Jesus. God was pleased to work in their life, to reveal himself to them. And has become to them precious. So as an act of obedience and worship, they will be baptized. They will be baptized as a testimony of his grace. And as a statement that they are waiting for the blessed day when he returns. To make all things new. 
and are committed to following him by his grace all the way to the place that we have considered. In the 1800s, revival broke out. And many people heard about Jesus. And they committed their life to him. So much so that they actually sent and went as missionaries who believed the good news and wanted to proclaim the gospel. They left everything to go to horrid places. One particular unnamed Baptist went to India and found himself in a village. And this village was made up of a a tribe who had a reputation of being headhunters. And soon one man and his wife and his two young children believed the gospel. And they went from hut to hut, proclaiming, telling others about the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And others started to believe. There was quite a commotion, which made the chief of that tribe extremely angry. And so much so that the original family was summoned before the whole village and told by the chief to renounce their newfound faith, their newfound hope in Jesus Christ, or die. Publicly, the father of the family would not refuse Jesus. And said, I have decided to follow Jesus. The chief was enraged and ordered the tribal archers to shoot. And they filled the bodies of the children with arrows. Once again, the chief asked, Will you allow your wife to die along with your children? Though none go with me, still I will follow. His wife was murdered before all. One more opportunity to turn his back on his God that found him and saved him. The father denied the demand and saying, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. He too was martyred. As the story goes, it wasn't long before God intervened in the chief's heart as he was so overwhelmed with the thought of this family, of this profession of faith, so dedicated and devoted to this man from another country who died thousands of years earlier, he marveled at what faith, what faith and what power that could remove even the fear of death. In a spontaneous confession, the one, the chief who just ordered the deaths of four moments earlier cried out, I too belong to Jesus. The story of I have decided to follow Jesus tells that many, if not all of that tribe, turned to faith in Jesus Christ. Don't be surprised to see many of them with Jesus on the new earth. 
singing, I have decided to follow Jesus. And that means that he has done a work in my heart to show me the one who died so that I could live. The one who reversed the curse that I might be restored to God and the one worthy of perfect worship. No turning back. Lord God, you are far too great for words. We want to praise you. I want to praise you for Jesus. We want to praise you for your great work, your great plan from long ago. And we want to praise you that you're a God who keeps your promises all the way through. Would you be with those who are about to be baptized? Would you work wonderfully among us? And let all the peoples say, let all the peoples praise you, O God. In Jesus' name, amen.